and welcome to the Company Watch On The Spot podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Joe. We're recording today's episode in the afternoon of Thursday, the 31st of March. And our topic for this week is the, the fact that the, the insolvency restrictions or the, the kind of temporary measures to, to make the insolvency regime a little bit, let's say, softer for, um, for, for debtors has being basically lifted from the, from tomorrow, from the 1st of April, we're back to business as usual in terms of the legislation. And I think Nick and I have got some thoughts about how that is going to play out, given that we haven't gone back in time. We've, we've, we've got business as usual insolvency legislation in a world that has changed and frankly is in turmoil with what's going on in the world with, with Ukraine, still the fallout of COVID and so on. So we wanted to just kind of explore what that might look like um, as we come into the, the months ahead. Um, and Nick, you have some really interesting thoughts, first of all, on what's happening yeah. with parent um, companies and, and, and the kind of changing nature of covenants that, that people might have, have, have taken. Yes, I mean it's it's a it's a really odd thing because I suppose as um you know initially as an insolvency practitioner and more recently as a as a sort of risk analyst um, and and the huge devotee of the company watch system that uh, everybody knows I am you know I have been preaching to to the uninitiated for a very long time now and and you know whether it is bankers or whether it is um, uh, media journalists, uh, you know, who will look at situations and will say, um, yes, but I don't understand why that company went bust, because when I looked at its its balance sheet and, it, and its P&L, everything looked fine. And, and of course, my response would always be, did you look at the parent? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. often the problems are lurking away. And I can think of some some classic examples um, of um, businesses that, particularly retailers, where the opco looked wonderful, and the parent company well, was the <laughs> biggest heap of took you've ever seen, and you would never, you would never um, expose yourself to risk in that in that situation. But I suppose the bottom line of of what I've I've been prompted by Joe about one particular case. I've been looking around is um, really the th- to suggest to everybody that there's more to the parent company covenant in risk terms now than its balance sheets and its finances. And, and we've got that, we've got a number of examples where <clears throat> you've got parent companies walking away from subsidiaries in situations where you might not necessarily expect it to be happening and and what joe and i are are grasping for is whether the reason for this is that as joe said we're now suddenly back to okay guys you know um forget everything that happened in the last two years with with you can't wind companies up and you can't enforce um rent arrear um on 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 tenants um the the answer is that the world is not the same as it was two, uh, two years ago when the government um, halted the insolvency process for all practical purposes. And you now the one that, that, that prompted us to ask the question was um, uh, something that got a little bit of publicity recently, a company called SunGuard, um, where the US parent appears to have 
simply walked away from it. I mean, it wasn't, you know, the 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 operating subsidiary here was not particularly starry. It had a H score of 17 on its December 2020 accounts. But the US parent company has simply declined to support it. And uh, it's gone into administration. And it's interesting the timing of this, isn't it, as well? Because it's, you know, the the press reports are about this being landlord um, debt. You know, and we, you know, we we talked about this a number of times that the, the that protected part of the um, the yep. landlord renter is only for those periods where companies are shut down, and otherwise it's it's all enforceable um, again. So you know that that kind of sense that you know parent companies are not necessarily standing behind yes. you know, obligations mm-hmm. and allowing a, a process to happen to to kind of sort all this out. I think is you know we, we've warned against that and that, and we're starting to see it happen. And, and and so I went looking around and you know you begin to see a pattern um and you know some of these are fairly well in the public domain some of them a bit a bit less in the public domain but you get examples like um uh, tm lewin the men's outfitters um the, they who provided suits and suits and sharp ties to um to people in people in in, in office workers in cities from hundreds of outlets I mean, it fell over in June 2020 and was rescued by a US um, outfit called Talk Brands. And uh, this month, they walked away. They just left it and uh, said clearly, you know, and it's down to every parent, you know, to take a decision. Are they going to throw <clears throat> good money after bad? But this seemed a sort of spectacularly um, opportunistic um, uh, um, decision by a parent company to simply say, we don't like the look of the, you know, we've slimmed it down, we've sweated the assets, we've done all the things that we normally do, and there's still no no, no yeah. future for it, and they've walked away. Um, Kenton Kerwin, another, um, uh, founded in 1926, so very much a heritage men's outfitters, um, Chinese parent company, got its own problems, very much got its own problems. Um, again, walked away, and, if, and Kenton Kerwin in the UK, um, having been founded in 1926, fell over uh, in November last year. Mm-hmm. I found another one which was interesting, and again, this goes to the whole point about what you know. Where is the covenant in the corporate structure? This is a company called Kessler's, uh, 20 million turnover retail display company. This one's even older. It was founded in 1888. Wow. Failed in December. And uh, all the press coverage talked about it having uh, about a parent company that was a, uh, that was the, a UK company. I don't think its balance sheet was much prettier than um, than the sub. But if you look closer at the structure, the ultimate parent company is an overseas company filing accounts in the UK. It's clearly a private equity setup. And I couldn't find where it was, where the company was registered. So it's an overseas company. I don't even know where the company, the ultimate parent company is registered. It's really interesting. I mean, that's an interesting um, thing to be aware of, isn't it? If you can't actually find, because we we looked kind of briefly before this, um, before we started recording, and you know, in the accounts where you'd normally expect to find the kind of controlling party notes, <laughs> just saying it's a UK, it's a it's a UK company, it registered in the UK, but of yeah. course it's it's not actually it's the overseas overseas company but overseas. but i couldn't find any trace in any of the accounts or any of the documents at company's house as to where the company actually is registered i mean my guess is it's probably 
in Jersey or maybe the Cayman Islands, but don't, don't know. But again, the parent company has precisely a million pounds in its balance sheet, which are the which is the contributions made by the uh, private equity members above it. So where's the covenant? Was it the UK holding company? Because if it was, that's one that's one judgment of risk. If it's the ultimate um, parent company, the private equity setup, that's another judgment of risk. So I think that's um, that's something that everybody needs to be aware of. And then, sort of my last example of uh, of, of this before we get on to other stuff. Um, just think about Corbyn and King for those who love their upmarket uh, dining and have and have enjoyed the um, uh, eating at the at, at the Woolsey next to uh, next to the Ritz. Highly highly successful restaurant group. Of course, it was affected by the um, by the pandemic, but you have two different stories here. You have the the managers of the operating companies who were the original founders of the business saying everything's fine, cash flow is fine. And you've got the parent company, which is a major hotel chain in Thailand, flexing its muscles in a clear dispute with the, with the opco directors and forcing some of the most successful and, and high profile restaurants in London into administration to settle what was effectively an internal dispute. And, um, and, and, and my memory, although we couldn't check it before we uh, started recording, was that at some point in this dispute, which has been rumbling on for a number of months now, um, the, uh, um, the High Court in, um, here in London actually gave the parent company in Thailand a bloody nose and said, will you stop trying to abuse the insolvency? Um, uh, system in the in the UK, um, you know, we won't let you. They were objecting to something that the um, administrators were preparing, were, were planning to do, and uh, and and so I guess what we're talking about here is the whole business of where is the risk, and have attitudes changed during the pandemic? So we've got an insolvency system that's now appear to be back where it we loved or didn't love uh, love it years ago two years ago before the pandemic different era and maybe behaviors and attitudes have changed among I, the stakeholders yeah, I, mean, I think we, and we don't know the rule book you know the rule book on you know on paper nothing's changed but actually the rules that that, that those who are using the this system are going to be playing by and are going to be applying, you know, who knows? And there is a change. And you made the point that people have been waiting, you know, a couple of years for money. Yeah. You know, will attitudes be as they were before? Can you rely on, on, you know, the, the kind of behavior and the kind of those calculations of, of where the risk is and what's in everybody's best interest perhaps to um, to still be there. The other, the other point on the, um, the parent and understanding where risk is again, I had, um lunch with a with a client the other day and we were we were talking about precisely this this point about you know parental guarantees and, and kind of carrying on afterwards and it's just really you know understanding what's in it for the for the parents and understanding that their attitude to risk you know are they is there fundamentally a good business here and you know are they prepared to kind of put some skin in the game and make sure that they're, they're sharing risk with with suppliers and, and so on that's something that really needs to be kind of thought through. So you really need to understand the research, kind of do the research on 
on what the, the parents are, are put into this, particularly on the private equity side, I think, um, to kind of have that that understanding of where of where risk can be can be shared. Yes, because you see, I th- I think um, and the, this is the philosopher in me coming out. Um, I think um, we're in a point. We've had the pandemic, which was which is a once in a century shock to the to many aspects of life, but but to economies around the world. In fact, the world economy. In, as a whole. And lo and behold, just as we thought we were coming out of this, we're in another one with Ukraine. And we don't know where that's going. And we don't know the extent of the uh of, of, of the damage that is anything other than temporary and, and and supply chain disruption. And I think we may have this moment in time where those people who uh whose job it is to take decisions on risk, how much risk they'll take on maybe they're thinking differently now because uh, as i as i put you slightly reverently beforehand joe frankly there are an awful lot of balls in the air at the moment and it could be that people like you know sunguard's parent company or the the hotel group in thailand um, or the private equity people behind kesslers are simply saying do you know what i'm really not interested in supporting this I don't care if I'm going to lose money. The answer is I've got other things to worry about, bigger things to worry about. And I, I don't quite know what that philosophical thought does to how on earth, you know, the credit managers who are listening to this and the supply chain um, managers who are listening to this, how are they going to sort out those, those um, covenants they can trust and those that they can't? But I think where there's any, you know, I think where there's a foreign parent in a jurisdiction that that is badly impacted by the pandemic and by um, changes in attitudes such as isolationism in America, um, or um, financial owners as opposed to commercial owners, if I can differentiate um, private equity and, and other financial investors that way. I think in a way you just need to stand back a bit and say, do we actually believe that um, that um, covenant is strong enough to allow us to, to accept risk, whether it's financial risk or operational risk, in a subsidiary which is in itself not creditworthy or riskworthy? And I think that's the yeah. that's the. Um, that's the basic point. And, 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 and interestingly, and a complete uh, coincidence, as it happens, we, we settled on this topic, didn't we, a couple of days ago. And yesterday, I got a call from uh, one of my insolvency contacts asking me to write a blog um, aimed at nervous overseas directors of UK subsidiaries, because... Uh, that particular firm's uh, Google search research was picking up a lot of inquiries from overseas directors asking questions about the UK insolvency system. So I've written a blog um, about how that uh, that works or how it doesn't work these days, um, based on it's things. It's quite like- technical. I mean, Nick Nick gave me a kind of one hundred and one <laughs> before we came on. He did a very good job, but it is worth reading. But can you tell us the title, please, Nick? I've I've called the blog um, Comey, Brexit and Pitfalls for 
nervous overseas directors of struggling UK companies. So a bit of a mouthful. You know, and, 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 it, and it, yeah, okay, we'll, 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 sh- we'll share a link once it's up on the um, on the on the particular site concerned. It's going it's going up um, tomorrow, I think, which of course is April Fool's Day. Which some might think is appropriate. Um, so I, th- I think that's um, uh, in in a way we we've, we've gone all around the houses here. But I think it's I think it's just it, this is all a reminder that things are not as they were, and the the assumptions upon which risk assessment had been based um, first of all before the uh, pandemic, during the pandemic. And now I think things have changed. I'm not sure what the new paradigm is. But we'll see. I mean, I, everybody I'm speaking to kind of in the industry is expecting this like tsunami of, of insolvencies, yeah. you know, and, and we know why, because because companies that, that really should have been able to fail, you know, in the last two years haven't been you know we've been we've had obviously the the voluntary um liquidations have, have started to pick up yeah. but you know there are there are those kind of zombies that we're we're seeing out there and that, that will come through the system and i you know i think everybody's is, is starting to be a bit nervous about what that then means for for risk attitudes in general because, I, I, I think you know, that's that, right and, 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 and a sort of final oddball um uh comment here um, I happen to pick up um, being out there beating the bushes, looking for examples of of, of fleeing foreign parent companies um, leaving you know, leaving their UK subs to drown financially, and picked up um, coincidentally, and it was really odd to say, "Hang on a minute, I've just read about another one of those two fairly chunky construction contractors who have changed ownership in the last month." in each case, to an employee trust. The owners have passed ownership down to an employee trust. Now, I leave everybody with this question. What does that do to the judgment of the covenant of the ownership of the owners of those contractors? What does it say about the ability of the new owners to put money in, to share risk, to put skin in the game, to use your phrase, use that phrase. Um, you know, what does it say about that? Is it a better risk? Because my reading is that employee-owned businesses are inherently more conservative and more cautious for all sorts of reasons that we don't have time to go into, and they're more risk-averse. So is that is that good news because they're being cautiously run, or is it bad news because they won't develop in the same way and they, and they won't, won't take find the opportunities. opportunities and absolutely you know they won't borrow money to expand you know rather and and so it's it's another point about this whole thing about covenants what's the covenant can you trust it is it good for you is it bad for you do you need to be more careful I think that's a very good way of summing up our discussion so far. So thank you very much, um, Nick. Thanks to everybody for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Bye.